Do the Dolphins already have their Jarvis Landry replacement? Is there a more than solid candidate to be this year's Alvin Kamara? And who is the deepest dynasty sleeper of this year's crop? Plus, FFPC 750 Dynasty League number 19 champion Noah Blom co-hosts with me this week and shares with us his choice for the 102 pick, where the best immediate opportunity lies for rookies, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Noah Blum is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Live from the WRST Radio Studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. and salutations all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my normal co-host is indeed the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. But sitting in for him this week is the reigning 750 number 19 FFPC Dynasty champ and a multiple Football Guys Players Championship League winner as well. Please welcome aboard my co-host this week, Mr. Noah Blum. Noah, thanks for hanging out with me, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. And and to to let the listeners behind the curtain right away, we are recording this prior to this is people are listening to this the night before the NFL draft. But we are recording this much prior to that. So if there's anything uh, that happens with trades or, or anybody gets arrested or anything like that, and we don't talk about it, it's because we are not privy to that knowledge. Noah, I know you are better at seeing into the future than I am because you're a much more talented dynasty player. But we can only do so much. Exactly. You know, and no, nobody ever gets arrested in the NFL, so <laughs> you know, it shouldn't happen. Yeah, but. exactly. Coming up on tonight's show, what AFC East running back is bulking up for an every down roll in 2018? What can Anthony Miller do for you? And much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. If you uh, guys are in there, guy, guys and gals are in there. Noah and I are not, so feel free to talk amongst yourselves, uh, but I, I will not see any of those chat room messages since we are pre-recording this. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so. At HSFFHour, I am at Eric Balkman. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash the HSFFHour. You can check out our web, website, HSFFHour.com, and if you uh, want to give us an email, uh, send us an email, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com is where to send it. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and audio engineer Bryce are working hard on getting those questions to us in the fantasy feedback coming up uh, fantasy feedback segment coming up in the bottom half of the show I want to remind everybody for uh, for those of you out there who are listening get in on that football guys early bird promotion it is a free $35 team to your account right now when you buy a football guys players championship team before June 30th and draft it before July 15th and we'll do it up to three times so you can get up to three free $35 teams great prep for your FPCs great prep for your main event teams and that main event early bird expires coming up may 31st remember those room discounts at planet hollywood go to myffpc.com uh to the main event page and uh, you can scroll all the way on the bottom and uh, click on the banner and book your uh, book your stay there at the discount register for those best ball drafts that we have going on also super flexes uh, classic starting at 35 dollars on up and dynasty startups we get those kicked off i think the next batch of them is coming up on cinco de mayo so check that out at myffpc dot com slash dynasty so enough of that let's get into uh our noah blum interview noah uh, before we get into fantasy football tell the listeners what you do for a living well i'm a podiatrist down in uh, southern florida and father of uh, four children one boy and three girls so that keeps me pretty busy i would imagine it does not keep you well you, you and i were talking about this before the show you don't do too many live drafts. Mostly you are doing a lot of dynasty stuff, a lot of email drafts, so you can kind of draft at your leisure. 
Uh, exactly. Yeah, Dino's really kind of my love, and, but you know, like a lot of us, I'm a draftaholic. So, uh, great right after the season, I'll usually hit up a couple of best balls, and because I just love the draft. And then once the Dino season gets closer and the uh, draft happens, I kind of back off on that and then just really focus on the Dino. Well, let's talk about your 750 Dynasty number 19 uh, team. First of all, congrats on winning that league last year. Uh, and hey. t- Travis Kelly, you know, it's interesting as I just joined a uh, a Dynasty, not a Dynasty startup, but I picked up a Dynasty orphan in a private league. Um, and one of the first, we, there was a dispersal draft between the two teams. And one of the first selections I made, this is not a tied on premium league, but I still drafted Travis Kelsey with like the second or third, fourth, I can't remember what it was. It was very early on in the dispersal draft. So obviously I am high on Travis Kelsey from a dynasty standpoint. You won a lot of cash with him as your tight end last year. Looking forward to 2018, he's got a new quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. He's got a new receiver playing opposite, uh, well not opposite him, but to go with Tyreek Hill in that offense, Sammy Watkins joins the crew. How do you see Kelsey's output shaping up for this upcoming season with those new changes? You know, I'm not worried about his output at all. Um, He did lose a a quarterback that does like to check the ball down, but um, obviously they love Mahomes. And uh, adding Sammy Watkins, I think, is really going to hurt Tyreek more than it's going to hurt Kelsey. Um, I've always felt he actually could have been utilized more by Andy Reid than he even has, even though he has, you know, 120, 130 targets the last couple years. He's... uh, He's just a beast when he's on the field. And uh, with the tight end premium, it gives you a nice advantage at that position. And and I'm, you know, say what you will about whether the Chiefs overpaid for Sammy Watkins, but there's no question that he is an upgrade on Albert Wilson on this team. And with Patrick Mahomes maybe showing uh, or maybe uh, – uh, the projection is that he is going to throw downfield even more than Alex Smith did last year, who did do it a lot with Tyreek Hill. But you think of having Hill and Watkins there with Mahomes, maybe Kelsey you know, sees his targets go down slightly, but you would think that uh, those big plays from Watkins and Hill are going to create more opportunities maybe for him in the red zone and maybe even has a bigger 2018 than he did 2017. You know, anything's possible. You know what, I'd just be happy with what he did last year. Um I went out and got him pretty aggressively uh, during the season last year and uh, was really happy that I did. I think I had um, Greg Olson was my only tight end. I, I had Olson and Doyle, actually, and uh, was not not a big Doyle guy, so I was able to ship Doyle, um, Jay Ajay, um, right after he was traded, and um, uh, this year's first uh, for Kelsey and... Uh, I have no regrets in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, that's a deal I would definitely make for sure. I, I definitely like your end of the deal there. Let's talk about uh, your receivers on this team. Incredibly, incredibly deep. Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen, Devin Funches, Larry Fitzgerald, Martavis Bryant. Do you normally find yourself trying to build your dynasty rosters around a strong receiver core? Oh, you're making me happy now with calling out those names. You know, <laughs> uh, I actually bought this team as an orphan. I've I've had it for two years, and uh, I guess it was a super orphan even when I bought it. But it's funny, when I bought it, it only had two wide receivers that were playable. It had uh, Larry Legend and it had Keenan Allen, and but it had some great running backs. So I, I tweaked it right from the get-go. Um, I made a trade for uh, Odell Beckham. I gave up Ezekiel. Uh, when they were both out of commission last year. Um, and I just got Adam Thielen, even though I didn't need him. I just thought the the price was so low that I had to take advantage of it. Plus, I was figured I'd play keep away um, from the rest of the owners. But in general, I am a wide receiver heavy guy. But what's funny is uh, in FFPC, I've been more... Um, more evenly running back and wide receiver than than in my mind I want to be. Um, I don't know if it's because of the roster size with cut downs and I want to make sure I have one stud running back and then a couple of guys to fill in as the uh, running back too. But in general, you know, in PPR, I've always been about the running back. I mean, about the wide receiver. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense, especially in, in you, you know, we talk about the career arcs for, for receivers. They typically have a longer shelf life than running backs in the NFL, and you certainly have a strong stable here. Um, Corey Coleman, let's talk about him a little bit. Now, it, not to keep referring to this dispersal draft, but Corey Coleman 
went way, way, way late in this draft. The, there was fourth-round rookie picks that were going, I, I, you know, well ahead of Corey Coleman. I ended up getting him just because I couldn't see him. You know, I, I just like I need to rescue this guy. You know, some of the guys that are being drafted out there, like I, I need to get him on my team. He's still a young guy now. You know, he's got Jarvis Landry on that team now. Josh Gordon uh, is obviously still there. You'd like to think David Njoku takes a step uh, ahead in, in his NFL career. And Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde are going to be there. Maybe Saquon Barkley. We don't know. You gave up a 2019 third-rounder for Corey Coleman. So tell the listeners uh, why he's still worth taking a chance on and why we should not forget about him from a dynasty standpoint. Well, um, first of all, I did that trade literally – I don't know, a couple days before they went out and got Landry. Uh. So that was, that was a little bit of a buzzkill. But, I mean, he's got draft pedigree. He was a dynamic player in college. and I mean, he has the skills. The biggest knock on him has been his work ethic. So, to me, that third I project as a late third, you know. Um, so I was just like, you know what, I'll take a flyer on the guy. Um, if he pans out, great. If he doesn't, you know, I'll throw him back to the scrap heap. I actually have him on several teams, and um, this will be the year for him. If, if he, you know, he doesn't have to become a superstar, but if he's not progressing in the right way, and the other thing is, you know, maybe they'll trade him. That would be uh, best of both worlds, really. Yeah, I mean, he he seems like a guy that is screaming, I need a fresh start for sure. He is under contract this year and next year. There is a club option uh, in 2020 uh, for him. I would expect that if he is still on the roster at that point, if the Landry and Gordon, uh, you know, uh, if their utilization within the offense has been working out, that they would decline that and he will be a, uh, a free agent in, in 2020. But yes, fr- fresh start for sure. This is the 15th overall pick of the draft two years ago. So this is a guy that, that still has a big pedigree out there and, and somebody certainly, and, he, and he's dealt with, you know, a couple of broken hands. I mean, this, that's tough to deal with for a receiver and, and to, uh, to miss that much time when you're a young receiver in the NFL is certainly not easy. Uh, in this league, uh, Noah, and your 1250 number eight dynasty team, you own uh, Melvin Gordon, the Chargers running back. Uh, he ha- has really come on the last couple of years, really looked good, uh, and is living up to his first-round billing uh, in both uh, Dynasty and uh, Redraft Leagues. You look at um, for him from a Dynasty standpoint, there, there can't be that many running backs that, that we can value higher than him in, in Dynasty right now, maybe just a handful. How many running backs would you put ahead of Melvin Gordon as far as uh, where you value him uh, in Dynasty Leagues? Well, what's funny is that the uh, the guys in 1258, which is like, uh, let me give them a shout out. That's like my favorite league. We've got a really active group and uh, a bunch of crazy guys, and uh, we do a lot of banter on group me. Um, they know I'm a Melvin Gordon apologist, and they're probably thinking that I hand fed you this question. Um, I just love Melvin Gordon. I, I mean, definitely looking at running backs right now. I, I think you know, you've got your tier one, and then you got your tier one, to, you know, one B. So you've got Le'Veon, Ezekiel, DJ, and Gurley. To me, are just you know, um, they're one A. But after that, I mean, I look at Melvin, and I'd probably you know you have to put Saquon in there, even though you know we don't know landing spot, and you know he hasn't you know ever had NFL contact and then you've got hunt and kamara so to me i i put him right after the big four um you know people talk about injury you know he, he hasn't missed nearly as much time as they're saying you know um his yards per carry is what 3.9 not great but i watch him a lot because i own him a lot and he's a tough runner he's he runs inside um better uh now than he did when he first came in as a rookie he catches the ball well um, the offensive line has not been great in San Diego, and I see that getting better. Um, I'm a buyer, and I have been a buyer of uh, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, you know, and, and you look at it, seems like for his entire career as a Charger, the Chargers have made attempts to upgrade that offensive line, and for whatever reason, you know, it hasn't worked out in free agency or, or they've had some injuries. They're making an effort, and these guys are going to get healthy, these, these offensive linemen, and I, I can only see the line getting better from, from here. So I, I'm totally with you on, on Melvin Gordon being a buy uh, because I, I think that he is definitely an ascending asset in dynasty leagues. Uh, what have you been – we're talking with Noah Blum, the uh, 750 dynasty number 19 uh, reigning champ in the FFPC last year. What have you 
uh, been more likely to do in the past than your dynasty teams with a veteran uh, that, that is getting up there in years? Are you more likely to sell him um, maybe before he falls off a cliff? Or are you just going to be like, you know what, I will be the bag holder on this guy. I'll hang on to him until he has no talent, or, you know, no value in dynasty leagues left, and then I'll just simply cut him. What's been more likely for you to do with a guy like that? My shopping bag is pretty darn big. Um, I'm I'm a bag holder all the way. Um, you know, in your mind, it's nice to have the young, shiny new toy. But, you know, like uh, you had John Luxemon uh, not long ago, or maybe he was on Rotoviz yep. Radio. And uh, he's, in the, he's in the 1258 with me, and, and he and I are the same elk. That league is just all, you know, everybody wants, you know, rookie picks and the young guns, and he and I are kind of the two old men hoarders, you know, I'll take production, you know, two or three years is a long time, you know, so, you know, give me somebody that's going to give me two or three years, you know, four years if I'm lucky production, and, I, you know, I'll take that any day. It doesn't work out all the time, but um, I like my odds there better than I do with, uh, you know, a rookie. I mean, you're kind of playing a, <clears throat> excuse me, you're kind of playing a guessing game on both sides. But it's like, which side do you want to guess on? Do you want to guess on? Okay, this guy has been awesome uh, for fantasy for the last few years, but maybe is this the year that that he just he loses it? Or am I going to bet on a young guy or maybe a rookie who's never done it in the NFL? We have no idea if he's going to be a bust. All we can do is speculate. Which side do you want to bet on? And and I think I'm with you. I think I want to usually bet on the side of production rather than, uh, you know, speculate, rookie speculation. Let me ask you this, because this is, um, you know, I, I always love to use this show for my own selfish dynasty gain, so I'll ask you this. I was recently uh, offered a trade by my normal co-host in a league that we play in um, of he would offer, or he was offering Rob Gronkowski to me for the 106 rookie pick and O.J. Howard. Now, I declined it because I, I feel like Gronk, his value is, is going to go down. However, you can't argue with the production that he's had. It's monumentally better than what Howard's been doing. The 106 pick probably has more than a 50% chance of busting. Which side would you have gone on that? Would you have accepted that deal and taken Gronk, Noah? Oh, that that's a tough one. I You know, that's roster-dependent move for me right there. You know, love Gronk. You know, he's got the injury history and – you know, he's just really got this whole thing about, you know, he's not happy in New England, you know, swirling. Who knows how much of that's true? Is he going to, re- I mean, retirement talks. Um, I have a couple shares of Gronk, and, and and much to like you're saying, I'm a bag holder. I'm not going to sell for what I can get. On that trade, it would depend on the roster. I'm not a big O.J. Howard guy, um, you know, and then especially with him keeping Bray in the mix, Um I probably, I probably, I probably, I probably go Gronk, but it depends on the roster. I mean, are you competing this year, or is this well, a I'll team t- that you're still working on? I'll tell you this: it's a middle of the road team. It, 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 it seems like it's been middle of the road team for like the last three years. Another reason I should have told you this that I declined it is Howard is actually my number two tight end on this team. I do have Greg Olson on this team as well. So to me, I was just like, you know what? I can keep Olson and Howard. I can keep the first round pick. It, whereas if I make the pick, I lose the first rounder, and now I I gotta you know you know I could I guess I could flex out Olson or Gronk you know every single week and play both of them, but that's ultimately another reason I decided to decline it because I already had Olson. With the information, I, I probably decline it too. I mean, if you just if you look at the rookie picks, if you you know, kind of look at one six, there's a decent running back prospect, um, or the first or second wide receiver that you like on your board. So. Um, it's hard. It's hard to think of Gronk not being worth that, but you know, I probably, I probably hold off too. Yeah, it was definitely, it was very close. I, I, I hemmed and hawed on it for quite a while. Uh, let's talk about rookie drafts as long as, uh, as long as we brought it up. Saquon Barkley, I'm assuming, is, is your 101 right now, given that we still don't know where these guys are going to end up in the NFL. Um, but who's your 102? Who's the guy? I mean, if you had to do a rookie draft today, I mean, we can, all we can do is go by talent and maybe, you know projected uh, landing spot that's difficult to do so maybe just talent but who's the second most talented guy in this class behind Barkley well that would have to be Darius guys for me um but that being said landing spot will uh, I have him and I have Chubb very close um people are probably laughing you know a lot of people like Sonny 
which I like as well. But um, I like Chubb and I like Geis. So um, Darius would probably just nudge ahead, depending on landing spot. If either of those guys land in the, uh, you know, in the spot that I like, uh, that'll be my my second overall. It's interesting that you bring up Chubb because this was a guy, and I've said it on the show several times. I believe that. You know, two years ago, I'm like, wow, this guy is going to be an absolute stud when he gets to the next level. And then he tore up his knee, and it seems like he's still been extremely, extremely good since then. I just never thought of him as the same player uh, since that knee injury. And I actually do like uh, Sony Michelle quite a bit. But, you know, you say people would laugh. I'm, I'm getting a lot of high-stakes dynasty guys I'm talking to that really like Nick Chubb quite a bit. Tell me a little bit about... Why? What? What it is about Chubb that you have him right up there? Maybe not ahead of Geis, but you know, sort of on that same tier. And why you like him better than Michelle? Well, he's still a phenomenal athlete, even with that injury. Um, you know, he still has you know four or five speed. I mean, he's got the right size: five eleven, two hundred and twenty-five, two hundred thirty pound back. Runs great between the tackles. He did not look good in the uh, championship game, and I was a little down on him. Um, but I've watched a little bit of uh, film on him and, you know, uh, just kind of come around on him. He, he, you know, he's a beast. So he's got he's got good hands. You know, he, I think Sonny's hands are probably a little bit better. But, I mean, he's adequate, better than adequate. And uh, he just runs hard. And, you, you know, I like a big guy that can run inside as well as take it outside if he needs to. You know, it's funny about that, too, is you, you talk about watching um, film on, on Chubb. And I, 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 I said this. We had Joe Pano from uh, Rotoviz on uh, a month or so ago, and we were talking about Michelle versus Chubb. And he said, because he liked Chubb quite a bit, too. And he said, look, if, if you just if you didn't watch a lot of Georgia football, which I didn't, and you only saw what Georgia did in the college football playoff, yeah, I can totally get why you'd like Sony Michelle better than Chubb. But go back and watch some other Chubb's tape even after the knee injury, uh, and and I did. I went back and looked at it. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I think I might be missing uh, on you know something on Chubb here because he did look very, very good, and I, I still think he is going to be a very good NFL player. Uh, and the more Dynasty guys I hear talk, talk up Chubb, I, I think the more I have to realize, like, look, I, Chubb is a real player here um, for, uh, you know, an RB2 if he lands in the right spot right away in his rookie year. So clearly I think that's somebody we need to pay attention to. You mentioned uh, opportunity where these guys are going to end up what's the best opportunity that you are seeing for a rookie to step in for year one dynasty value the cowboys uh, their receiving core is is you know leaves a lot to be desired is it if they draft a receiver early is it the packers who need somebody to replace jordy nelson is it somebody who can you know recapture the magic of what doug martin provided for tampa uh in a couple of years that he was there uh, down there playing for the Buccaneers? Is it the tight end for the Saints that are still looking for that next Jimmy Graham? Where do you see is the best landing spot for a rookie to step in right now where if a guy gets drafted in the first or second round there, we have to look at, oh, my gosh, this guy is going to be huge in 2018? Well, um, I probably have to go with one of the running backs landing uh, very well because um, it's such a deep class and there's some really talented running backs. Um, the Bucks or Giants would be great landing spot I think um Detroit also you know I'm not a big Blount guy and uh Riddick's getting up there in age and you know I'm not even going to mention uh, Abdullah he's just you know <laughs> he's just dead weight but um I think a running back landing well is probably um the guy that I would be chomping at the bit for the wide receivers this year um if one of them lands with uh Green Bay um that would definitely be a, a choice spot, but um, I'm just not super, super high on anybody producing right away. So probably one of the running backs. And then for tight end, I rarely draft a tight end high. Um, I'm more of a you know trade for somebody else's tight end a year or two in um, and hope that they're ready to start producing at a higher level. I don't mind paying um, a little bit better price for a guy that's getting ready to pop versus – um, in this format with only 16 people at the cut um, holding a tight end because, you know, last year was, you know, kind of uh, a rare event with the tight ends that, that produced right away. I don't, I don't see that happening uh, again this year. 
Yeah, it's a talented tight end class, but if you look at uh, historically, it's been real rough for uh, rookie tight ends uh, over the last 10, 15 years. You know, I, again, like I said, unless your name's Evan Engram or Tony Gonzalez, you probably had a rough rookie year uh, for tight end for sure. Uh, let's get to some uh, some a uh, couple of emails here for you uh, that came in uh, specifically for you, Noah. The first one is from Jim in Salem, South Dakota. He writes, hey, Noah, is O.J. Howard prime for a top 10 tight end season in the FFPC? Thanks for the email, Jim in Salem, South Dakota. Noah, you already said it earlier. You're not a big O.J. Howard guy, so I got to believe that you do not think he is going to finish in the top 10 tight ends this season. Uh, No. Yeah, he's. uh, I'm not a big O.J. guy. Um, I mean, especially with the the signing of Bray, I mean, what else do you need to know? I mean, Bray is not going to just be an inline blocker. Bray gets, you know, red zone targets. Um, Winston has a great rapport with him. Um, I mean, O.J. Howard is uh, obviously uh, has got draft pedigree and, and has all the intangibles, but um, he's a type of guy, like I said, that, you know what, I wouldn't be surprised if it's two years from now that, you know, he starts to show his full potential. The next email we have is from Charlie in Springdale, Arkansas. This is an interesting one. It's a draft etiquette uh, question. He writes, what's the proper etiquette for how long you wait on the clock in a rookie draft for someone to send you a trade offer before you make a pick? Nice job on your championship last year. Thank you for the email, Charlie in Springdale, Arkansas. This is an interesting one. It's the one that I've kind of battled about because we've all been on the, on the clock in rookie drafts where there's not anybody that we're super in love with. There's a guy that we could take, but we're secretly kind of hoping like, you know, maybe somebody makes me an offer here and I can, uh, you know, get out of this spot and, and get an asset that I do like. Um, for me, and, you know, no, I, I'll, I'll let you handle this, but the way I always do it is if that's a scenario that's presented to me, I just kind of post on the message board or I'll send it out an email to everybody say, hey, I'm going to stay on the clock for the next 90 minutes or two hours, and if nobody sends me an offer, I'm just going to make my pick. Uh, how do you usually handle situations like this? What's what's the proper etiquette, as as Charlie so eloquently put it, for how long you wait? Well, um, if if you're going to be if you're going to be shopping the pick, yeah, it's good to put it out there that you're going to be shopping the pick. You know, I think it's fair to wait a little bit longer, say in the you know at the top of the draft. But I mean, from my perspective, you know, you should kind of already know if you're if if there's a guy there that you want or don't want, or if you're going to try and trade it. Um, I mean, you have a lot of time built up after the draft before the rookie draft starts. Um, but if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna take a while, it's good to just post a little a little bit of message up there. But for me, I'm I'm typically um, I'm not too long on the clock. The good thing about slow drafts and the rookie drafts are. You know, you have the time, and so if somebody wants to use it, I don't get upset. That's their prerogative. Um, but um, if you're if you're going to be if you're going to be delayed, it's always nice to just let the, the let the other owners know. Uh, wise wise advice there, and I'm I'm totally with you on that. Communication is the key. You know, just like any marriage, you know, you have to communicate, and in, and you're sort of married to eleven other guys and and gals and these uh, dynasty leagues too. So keep them informed and everybody, as long as everybody knows what's going on, I think everybody's uh, usually pretty cool with uh, whatever. I think, I, I think what he's alluding to is, and we've probably all witnessed it, is sometimes it snowballs. So if if uh, one owner gets their uh, pants, you know, gets gets pissed off, they think somebody's taking a long time, so then they purposely do right. the same thing, and then you're just in uh, rookie draft hell. Yeah, yeah but, that's uh, no fun. I mean, I do remember last year I, I had uh, one rookie draft that was still in round one, and and you know we had finished finished another one completely. Oh my gosh! So it was just crazy, but I don't let that get under my skin too much. Luckily, I have a few drafts going, so I'll just work on the ones that I got to pick coming up in. Yeah, and that's that's good too. Like, and that's what we want to hear at the FFPC. Hey, you sick of your rookie draft going slow? Join another dynasty draft and exactly. and, uh, and and make yourself happy there. So for sure, that's uh, that's definitely good advice to follow. Uh, Noah, let's. Uh, we've had some good rookie draft discussion thus far. Tell us uh, who you think is going to be a first-round rookie draft dynasty bust from this season, and then a guy that is uh, not going to be drafted in the first round, maybe the second or third round of rookie drafts, that you actually think is going to have a nice little dynasty career ahead of him. Um, on the bust side, I'm not a huge uh, Ronald Jones guy. I guess he'll be a you know end of the first type guy. Um, 
overall, uh, I think he's a little bit small. I mean, he might get a pass catcher role, PPR role, but um, not my favorite guy. And I don't think I'd be drafting him as high as he'll probably go. Um, guy that I really like that I'll probably be drafting now that I talk about it a little earlier than I would have is uh, uh, Kalen Bellage, um, running back, Arizona State. Um, there's not a lot of talk about him, but he's just one of those freak spark score type guys, size and speed and all the intangibles. He didn't have a great college career, but he had uh, he had some a couple different coaches and different scheme changes. But um, I like the way he catches the ball and then turns it upfield. So if he if he uh, lands somewhere where he looks like he might uh, be able to grow into a, a pass catching role, that's somebody that I'm looking at. Yeah, Ballage is definitely a sneaky guy to be paying attention to. You don't often see uh, the athletic ability from a guy his size coming into the NFL. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who takes us, uh, you know, a chance on him and maybe gives him an opportunity right away. Uh, Ballage is certainly a guy to pay attention to. Uh, let's get into the news. And I, I say news in quotes, air quotes. Uh, nobody can see me doing that since it's an audio podcast. But this is the news of what's going on when we, um, when we are recording this. First up, uh, let's talk about Des Bryant. Now, he, by the time you hear this, he may have already signed with a new team. I would imagine he would have, uh, you know, before the NFL draft, but we don't know. Adam Schefter is uh, posting on Twitter that Arizona, Baltimore, Buffalo, and Green Bay are the teams that have already shown interest in Des Bryant. Now, what's interesting about this is all four of those teams have the cap space to give Des Bryant a nice little contract. Buffalo is really bereft of, of talent there. You know, they, they have Kelvin Benjamin who just had a knee surgery. They have Zay Jones who, you know, God knows what's going on with him right now. Um, and then uh, LaShawn McCoy is really the only other weapon that, that, you know, can be counted on in Buffalo. We don't know who the quarterback is there. I It would be weird if Green Bay got rid of Jordy Nelson and then signed Des Bryant. You know, a lot of the issues that Nelson was having, you know, uh, his, his speed isn't where it was. His, he's failing to gain separation. Uh, you can say that to a certain extent about Des Bryant, but your thoughts on Des Bryant, Noah, from a dynasty perspective, maybe just speak to the player uh, that he is right now because we don't know where he's going to end up, and then maybe a spot that you think he would be best for his uh, fantasy value. Sure. Um, Des is a guy that I uh, I haven't been real high on for a year or two. Um, don't have very much, very many shares of him. Um, he... Uh, he just seems to have diminished, and he doesn't seem – he just never looked like a hard worker and somebody that was going to um, age gracefully, um, like an Antonio Brown or um, even A.J. Green. Um, I do think that he's probably motivated to uh, show that he has something left, and he may actually have a little bump back this year. I personally don't see him going to a team like the Packers. I can't imagine that they would throw him into the mix. But to me, um, I agree with you. The Bills looks like it's the best place for him. Or I could see the Cardinals taking a shot at him. Yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, I first of all, I could see either of those. And then it's weird because even though Baltimore just gave that contract to Michael Crabtree, I could totally see Ozzie Newsom signing Des Bryant. I mean, this is like the type of player that he signs. And now all of a sudden, after the Ravens basically have no receiving talent, now you have Michael Crabtree and Des Bryant there catching passes from Joe Flacco. Obviously, guys that are, that are no longer at uh, peak careers anymore, but I think all three of those teams that we just mentioned are more likely to sign them than Green Bay. I do not see Green Bay uh, going after Des Bryant. Uh, you know, okay, let's talk about another receiver uh, that was a free agent this past season, has found a new team, and that is the Danny Amendola signing with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he actually said that uh, Bill Belichick was unwilling to give him a uh, competitive contract given, you know, the other options that he had in free agency. And he kind of he said he kind of realized, like, look, I, I'm not going to get anything close in New England to what I'm already getting to these other teams. So he decided to leave. He signs with Miami. Miami has a crowded receiving uh, room down there. They, they had uh, already Devontae Parker and um, uh, Kenny Stills. They obviously trade Jarvis Landry, so he's no longer there, but they also went out and signed Albert Wilson. They traded up for Leontay Carew in the draft, uh, and so he's obviously still down there. But Amendola, I mean, Noah, is this the guy who's in line to, to be that underneath guy who could play that Jarvis Landry role and, and ha offer sneaky fantasy value in 2018? You know what? I, 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 uh, I don't live too far from uh, 
you know, the Dolphins um, here in Florida. I I don't know what they're doing down <laughs> down there in Miami. Um, I, I think Amendola is more of a best ball type of guy. You know, he might have a few good weeks, but I can't I can't see him, you know, getting a, a huge amount of targets and uh, just bouncing back in a big way. Um, I mean, they they probably are going to draft a wide receiver, or if they don't, they should. Um, uh, the 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 guy that I like the most on that team is Kenny Stills, who's just kind of a quiet under the radar um, outside receiver that you know gets gets some good long plays and you know uh, produces from a, a flex spot for me. Yeah, Kenny, st- and he's a, he's still a young guy too. I mean, he. He turns 26. Uh, well, it, well, by the time we release this podcast, he will be 26. He turns 26 on uh, on the 22nd. Last March, he signed a four-year, $32 million contract, $17 million guaranteed, $7 million signing bonus. Uh, he is under contract until 20 or until 2021 when he is a free agent again. But this is the type of guy that can really be. Um, a difference maker on this. This is a guy that I loved. I've tried to follow the money when Miami signed him. I thought, okay, nobody else is valuing him that high. He could be a, a difference maker for fantasy. I think he is probably my favorite uh, value right now in Miami. Uh, Devontae Parker has, is right up there too because he has fallen so far in drafts and you can get him very cheap right now. Uh, but I'm with you on Amendola, man. I, I think while he's healthy, he could be the Landry. I just don't know how often he's going to be healthy if we go by his uh, his career. It, it is uh, spotty at best when we consider his health. Let's stay down in Miami and talk about Kenyon Drake, who has said that he's uh, bulked up uh, more than five pounds of muscle. Well, I mean, more than five pounds. Who cares? It's not a huge deal, but it is something. Uh, this was uh, something that he did after the Dolphins wanted him to be able to handle a full season as the starting running back for, and this is interesting too, because I, I always fully thought Noah, that the dolphins are going to add somebody better than Drake. And the only buddy, the only person, the only body that they've added so far has been Frank Gore. Kenyon Drake could be a sneaky guy. Maybe not uh, for dynasty purposes going forward, but for 2018, he could be in uh, line for a heavy workload, and he's not really being valued as much uh, in drafts right now. What are your thoughts on Kenyon Drake for this upcoming season? You know what? You and I are uh, pretty much aligned on him. Um, he's somebody that I've been fading. Um, actually traded him in uh, one league for uh, Funchess, the uh, 750. Um, kind of have slight regrets because I, I, I'm much like you. I didn't really think – I'm not a big Drake guy, but um, – Dolphins didn't go after C.A.J. Anderson and added uh, Frank Gore, who's a nice guy, but um, I see him more of a complimentary role to Drake at this point. So it looks like they're going to give Drake a shot, and uh, you know he could he could uh, produce and give a nice value. Miami had the opportunity to bring back Damian Williams. They chose not to. Miami also traded Jay Ajayi to the Eagles. So obviously the coaching staff, the front office there is a believer in Drake's talent. They, they're telling him to bulk up. I mean, these are all things that we need to realize. Okay, uh, he might be in for a good season this year. And I don't know if his, if his value, if, if his ADP is ever going to rise to the point where I'm not comfortable taking him because you can get him pretty cheap right now. I'm with you in Dynasty, though. I would be selling high on him right now. As soon as he steps on the field, I don't see him all of a sudden taking over a game like you'd want a, a feature back to do. I th- you know, if I had the opportunity to get Devin Funches for him, I definitely would have made that deal uh, and and given up Drake for for Funches. So I, I really like that end of that uh, deal that you got there. But I he, for me, I don't think I own him anywhere in Dynasty anymore. But he is definitely a sell high. Uh, right now, in my opinion, uh, sticking with the backfield, Marlon Mack in Indianapolis says he's actually working with a team nutritionist to add a few more pounds this season to handle more carries. He's actually going to be in the starting mix uh, for a job with the Colts unless they use a you know first or second round pick on a running back, which they still could do. Uh, Frank Gore, has already, we are, as we mentioned, is in Miami now. He is no longer uh, playing for the Colts. And Marlon Mack is the guy there. And his only you know competition right now is Kristen Michael and Matt Jones. So Marlon Mack, I think at a minimum, uh, Noah has uh, secured himself uh, or will continue to secure for himself a piece of this uh, backfield in Indianapolis. 
and maybe the opportunity for more. I don't know if you view him as a special back, but what are your thoughts from a dynasty standpoint on Marlon Mack at the moment? You know what? I, I like him. Um, I don't see him as an every down back, but you know, if luck could ever get healthy, I, I see him as somebody that could, you know, uh, do uh, ten carries, ten to fifteen carries, and then also uh, catch a bunch of balls out of the backfield. Um, they definitely could uh, grab a running back in the first couple rounds, but they do have a lot of other needs, so that bodes well in his favor as well. Um, he uh, he definitely has PPR appeal for sure. I uh, want to keep things. We'll round things out with uh, another backfield situation <clears throat> that's actually changed a couple of times this offseason in Tennessee. Uh, Deion Lewis uh, said that he, both he and Derrick Henry, will be used significantly in the running game. Uh, the full quote from Deion Lewis: "Derrick's a great back, and I'm happy to be part of a backfield with them. So I think we can form a pretty good one-two punch." What's interesting about this, and we talked about this on the show, Demarc, or uh, excuse me. Um, Derrick Henry owners had to love seeing DeMarco Murray being released, and then that honeymoon lasted mm, almost a week. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Deion Lewis was paid a ton of cash by Tennessee to come in uh, and uh, and take some of those uh, targets and carries away from uh, Derrick Henry. Is this a 50-50 split? Is it 70-30? How do you view the Tennessee situation going forward as far as fantasy goes between Lewis and Henry, keeping in mind, Noah, that Lewis is probably going to be the pass catcher of the two? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a buzzkill for him. Um, I definitely still think Derrick Henry, you know, has has all the uh, potential that he could be a three-down back, but Lewis, with that contract, is definitely going to get the third-down work and also uh, more carries than you'd like to see. Um, And we do know that the Titans want to pound the ball, so, you know, they probably are going to have more – uh, chances to shine the two of them versus uh, some other teams that are a little bit more pass happy, um, but it definitely takes the top off of uh, Derrick Henry's uh, coming out party this year. You know that being said, it's a brutal game, and Deion Lewis has uh, had a couple of significant injuries. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably Henry's best path to uh, to top five production um, this year. Speaking uh, strictly from uh, what you would be doing with these guys, uh, would you be looking based on, you know, Deion Lewis now signing with Tennessee? And and I got to believe that Tennessee is probably done adding significant parts of that backfield for 2018. Would you be looking to um, acquire Lewis or Henry? Would you be just, you know, if you own them, are you are you sitting tight on them? Um, Or would you be looking to sell either of these guys based on what we've seen Tennessee do so far this offseason? Um. You know what? I, I, if I if and where I have Henry, I've probably invested enough that you know I'm not gonna looking to give him up on the cheap. So I'm probably going to hold him. Deion Lewis, if I got a nice offer for him, um, he's somebody I probably would flip. Yeah, I think Deion Lewis is a good sell high uh, guy right now. Derrick Henry to me is has a nice little career ahead of him. Uh, in Tennessee, and and uh, he'd be an interesting guy to to have going forward. I, I don't know if Lewis's value is going to get any higher. Uh, you know, outside of a Henry injury where all of a sudden Lewis is the man there. I don't know how it gets any higher than it is right now. Let's go to uh, emails this week here, Noah. And the first one is from Glenn in Watoga. Wadaga? I don't know. I, I can't pre- I'm not a, a grammar guy, clearly, uh, for anybody who's listened to this show. Uh, but Glenn in Texas, we'll just say. He writes, Dave and Balky alluded to what they think of Lamar Jackson a few weeks back, but who would have to draft him? for making him redraft worthy. And where would you guys take him in a dynasty league? Now for uh, anybody who missed that episode, Dave and I are both high on Lamar Jackson. We think he can be a very good uh, uh, fantasy quarterback, maybe much more so than a uh, NFL quarterback. Um, Dave is higher than on him than I, I am. I would not be using a first round pick on Lamar Jackson. I know Dave said he would take him at the back end of the first round. I would be more looking at him in like the mid second round if he was still there, but I think he's going to be very good. And I think a, a team like, you know, if you see a smart team uh, like Pittsburgh or New England, like a team that's made a lot of good football decisions, front office decisions over the years, if you see a team like that take Lamar Jackson, to me, uh, his dynasty value goes up. I, obviously not redraft because he's probably going to be playing behind those quarterbacks for 2018. Um, but a team like Buffalo, a team you know, like that drafts him, 
immediate 2018 value. I, I'm really liking Lamar Jackson. Your thoughts on Lamar Jackson, uh, both from an annual draft standpoint, Noah, and uh, Dynasty? Well, first from Dynasty, um, I don't ever really – I haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Andrew Luck of a rookie draft. Um, I've had great luck picking guys off of waivers, um, like – during their rookie season um, or even their second season. Um, so he's just not somebody I'll be looking at in, in, uh, in a rookie draft to draft unless it was, like, really late on a team that I was really desperate for a quarterback on. Um, but as far as uh, redraft, um, also not a guy that I'm going to be looking to acquire unless he definitely went to a team with uh, um, starting potential right away. I agree with you, uh Buffalo would probably be the best fit for him right now. Um, he, I also agree with both of you that he's he's more of a fantasy football quarterback than an NFL quarterback, but um, be happy to have him prove us all wrong. He's definitely fun to watch, and um, he's definitely going to get a shot somewhere. So it's just going to be uh, hit or miss on that guy. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, I mean, like <laughs> – I really want to see what team drafts him because, again, if it's a team like – I said New England and Pittsburgh. I'll use those examples again. To me, that kind of answers the questions I have about his football IQ where it's like, well, if New England believes in you know him as, a, as an NFL quarterback, then why should I not? If Pittsburgh believes he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, why should I? You know what I mean? It's one of those things where I think that if one of those teams drafts him, it's going to feel make me feel much more comfy about drafting him. You made the good point about picking up rookie quarterbacks off waivers, uh, especially in the FFPC where you have these short benches. I, you know, you might be able to get a guy like Rosen or Darnold or Rudolph or Mayfield like off waivers he might not even be drafted or he might be cut you know uh, during the season where you could pick one of those guys up and if they hit they hit and if they don't uh then you can throw them back and, and wait for another quarterback to be released but you see a lot of quarterbacks especially in ffpc dynasty leagues released at cut down time uh where you can pick those guys up either in the rookie free agent draft or uh off waivers uh, during the season for sure let's go to massachusetts specifically quincy massachusetts this is an email from bill He writes, hey, Balky and Noah, I'm kind of surprised more people aren't talking about Naheem Hines. If he lands in the right situation, could he be this year's Alvin Kamara, or do you think I'm way off base? Thanks, guys. That is Bill in Quincy, Massachusetts. Thank you for the email, Bill. Naheem Hines, I I, I am struggling to say anybody in this class is going to be this year's Alvin Kamara, Noah, because he was so awesome last year. It's going to be tough for anybody to have that type of season. But if you want to talk about the type of player, a guy that is not going to go in the first round of the draft, a guy that um, uh, is a fast guy who's talented catching passes out of the backfield, Naheem Hines could be a very interesting guy, even in 2018, if he lands in the right spot. I totally agree. Um, You know, landing spot for, you know, for pretty much everybody, you know, landing spot's important except for your super, super studs. Um, But, boy, that guy is fun to watch, you know. He can certainly – do some damage in the open field, and uh, um, he's a guy that, you know, I wouldn't be looking at him early, but if he landed somewhere where there's uh, an accurate passer that um, can get him the ball in space, he's definitely somebody that could uh, could produce even in his first year. Let us go to uh, Steve in Benton, Michigan. Dear Joe and Troy, we all know who Barkley, Moore, and Goddard are. So can you guys give us your deepest dynasty sleeper that we need to know about for rookie drafts? Thanks so much for the email, Steve in Benton, Michigan. So I don't know how deep we can we can go here because, uh, you know, the, the draft is going to sort of dictate um, how uh, – you know, where these, where these guys end up is it, you know, it's going to depend upon that to, to find out how deep we're going to go here. But for me, if I, if I'm looking at, you know, a, a deep guy that, that could go fairly late in dynasty drafts, Jalen Samuels is kind of an interesting guy for me. I kind of like Justin Jackson, the, uh, the running back from Northwestern, uh, Cedric Wilson, uh, from Boise state is another guy I'd be paying attention to. Jamon Moore, I, I think is an interesting guy. Uh, he, he demonstrated some skills at the combine that, that I think uh, I didn't realize he was capable of. 
And I, I think all those guys, Cameron Petway, I guess. I mean, if you're if you're swinging for the fences late, those are all guys that would be interesting for me. What about you, uh, Noah, for some deep dynasty sleepers? Man, you're naming some guys I don't even know. That's pretty scary. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some more research. But, um, I mean, other than uh, Ballage, who I already said, um, deep sleepers, I don't know how deep you'd call him, but I, I kind of like the Bo Scarborough. He's a bruiser yeah. that uh, that could, in the right situation, uh, have some production. Um, and uh, for wide receivers, um Somebody that is just, you know, off the radar a little bit is, I know you've talked about him. He's not a deep sleeper, but a guy that I just really, really like is, uh, I like Kane and I like Pettis. Those two guys um, are just, are just guys that I really like. Yeah, it's weird is, um, I heard I heard a lot of people talk about Deion Kane, <clears throat> excuse me, right after the season ended uh, or towards the end of the collegiate season, uh, and then I really haven't heard much about him. And then it's and now it's the buzz is sort of picking back up about him. And Dante Pettis, I never really understood why why I didn't hear any buzz about him from from high stakes dynasty guys. Like I, I felt like this is a guy that you can probably get in the second round, maybe third round of of rookie drafts, um, that and could make some noise uh, and have a nice career ahead of him. And now I am. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I'm hearing, I'm starting to hear uh, more buzz about him. So he'll be, maybe he ends up in Green Bay in, in the second or third round of the NFL draft, and, and all of a sudden he's looking really good too. Um, but landing spot, landing spot, landing spot uh, is going to be so crucial uh, an opportunity for these guys for sure. Uh, Frank in Oakland, Oaktown, California, home of Too Short. NFL teams are certainly dinging Antonio Callaway for his numerous off-field issues. But should we as dynasty owners be doing the same, or is there some value for us here? Keep up the good work. That is Frank in Oakland, California. Thank you, Frank, for the email. Antonio Callaway, if he man, I, he'd be such he'd be like a Percy Harvin type dynasty, like has the dynasty buzz around him, uh, sort of like a gadget wide receiver, super athletic out of the University of Florida. But you know, he had the um, the 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 credit card scam or whatever was going on, um, you know, and all these off the field stuff uh, issues that is really going to knock him down um, NFL draft boards. To me, when it gets to be like the third or fourth round, Noah, of my dynasty drafts, I'm just kind of, you know, choosing lottery tickets anyway. It's not a bad way to spend a a draft pick on Callaway, see if he pans out. What are your thoughts on how to treat him for rookie drafts? You know what? He's a guy that, as a general rule, I'd stay away from. Um, just too many incidents. But like, like you said, if you're talking about, you know, somewhere halfway through the third round into the fourth round, you know, those are a lot of guys that you know a lot of times aren't even going to make your squad anyway. Um, he's definitely worth uh, putting on your roster and seeing what happens. But um, as a general rule, somebody that's had that much trouble and uh, haven't even made it to the NFL, it's, it's just it's you know the writing is kind of on the wall for me and not somebody that I'm really um, looking for. But, like we said, landing spot, landing spot. If he landed somewhere that um, looked real juicy, he's somebody that you'd have to um, take a look at. Uh, let's go to final email here. Uh, and Tony, <clears throat> excuse me, Tony in Raleigh, North Carolina. What's up, fellas? Anthony Miller has sort of become a love him or hate him type of prospect. So do you guys love him or hate him? Thank you for the email, Tony in Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know if he's become like a love him or hate him type guy, but um, Anthony Miller is, uh, I guess if I had to pick one, I would probably be leaning towards love him. <laughs> I mean, he's he's kind of a, uh, you know, fits where the NFL is going, where he's not like a six foot three guy, 230 pound guy, you know, but he is a guy that catches a lot of passes, had a high uh, target share at the University of Memphis um, in, in his collegiate career. I know Chad Ryder uh, from uh, NFL.com really likes him uh, quite a bit. And uh, I think I'm starting to, too. I, I, I think this is a guy, if he lands uh, in a spot where he can, um, you know, play the slot right away, uh, you know, a la Juju Smith-Schuster, it did in Pittsburgh last year, uh, and then maybe open something opens up for him down the road on the outside, I, I think he could be. Um, you know, a top 20 NFL receiver in his prime. I, I, and you, you don't have to use a first-round rookie pick. At least you shouldn't have to use a first-round rookie pick on him unless, again, he goes to, like, the Cowboys or the Packers early on, uh, a team like that. But I, I kind of like Anthony Miller, Noah. You know what? I like Anthony Miller a lot as well. 
I mean, the production uh, last two years in college were just, you know, almost 100 catches, um, decent speed, and uh, he just, like you said, he equates to a great slot receiver in the NFL. You know, what's not to like about that guy? I know he has visited. I'm just reading some of the news about him. The Saints uh, obviously had him in for a visit. Maybe that their draft plans change now that they have Cameron Meredith in the fold. Uh, but the Redskins uh, have, have had uh, Anthony Miller in for a visit. This is a guy that um, can, again, play in the slot, play on the outside, move him all around. He'll, he'll just make plays uh, no matter where he goes. And he's, uh, you know, the, the fact that he played at Memphis kind of, um, makes him interesting for Dynasty because we haven't seen him, at least I haven't watched a whole lot of University of Memphis football. Um, so I think Miller is a, a good guy. This is a, this is a class, and Noah, I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way. I, don't, I think like the difference between the top end of the receivers in this draft, you know, the Ridleys, the DJ Moores, the uh, Cortland Suttons, that area of the draft, and then you get down to, you know, maybe the, the lesser receivers uh, after that, you know, Anthony Miller, uh, Deion Kane, <clears throat> excuse me, DJ Shark, uh, all these guys, uh, Equinemia, St. Brown. I, I think the fall off between the top to the middle to the lesser tier, it's not as steep as it has been in previous years. I think that these second round picks this year, maybe even early thirds, they have a little bit more value this year than they have in previous years. I agree 100%. And it's one of those years that if you have somebody you like, um, I mean, I think the second round is going to be all over the place. I don't think it's going to be as um, consensus, you know, locked in um, once you get past the, uh, you know, 1-8, 1-9. I think um, at that juncture people will start drafting uh, need versus want. And then uh, – you know, the wide receivers, since it's not really consensus, there's just going to be um, some leagues where you get guys you didn't think you were going to get, and then there's going to be other leagues so there's a guy that you wanted that he might just go uh, ahead of you. I I uh, know. Listen, this what a treat this has been uh, talking to you uh, on this show. I, you did awesome considering that we're, we have to do some guesswork on a lot of this, and we don't know, you know, what – uh, NFL trades are about to happen. What NFL trades have already happened, uh, you know, leading up into the draft. It will be a fun draft for sure. I want to congratulate you on uh, your caches last year, uh, your dynasty title uh, last year in the 750 uh, draft uh, that you were in with the FFPC. Uh, best of luck to you going forward as well. And uh, enjoy the NFL draft, man. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it and looking forward to uh... – a great season ahead. A great season ahead indeed. And that is going to do it for this special pre-draft episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I want to thank Noah Blum, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for listening here this week. Uh, Dave will be back next week, and we are actually going to be on one hour early at 9, 8 central for live Revelations Genesis draft coverage. So normally we're on to 10, 9 central. We'll be at 9, 8 central on May 4th. Uh, Quattro de Mayo, as it were. And uh, we'll have some live draft coverage that night. I don't know, for anybody who's wondering, there's been a lot of contentious uh, back and forth between the Revelations and Genesis drafters this year. I don't know which one we'll be covering first. I don't know which one we'll be covering last. I don't know if we'll be just doing one draft the the entire time. I'm not really sure how it is going to go. Uh, But we will keep you posted on that. And you'll be able to watch uh, the action, follow the live pick-by-pick action at our uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash highstakesfantasyfootball. Uh, You follow the, uh, the picks right there. We'll have those. Uh, post it on there and you'll be able to watch them. So 9, 8 central next week for that. Uh, I want to remind everybody to register for the FFPC main event before that early bird expires on uh, May 31st. Uh, sign up for those best ball and dynasty startups uh, going on right now. You can listen to the uh, the live draft coverage next Friday, and then you can uh, draft some dynasty startups that are starting the next day that still have some spots available at myffpc.com. Get in on that football guys early bird. Uh, remember to get your team there, and uh, if you buy it before July or excuse me June 30th and draft it before 
July 15th, you're going to get a free $35 team credit um, and uh, use that on a classic, best ball, whatever you want, prep for the main event, prep for football, guys. You'll be able to use that up to three times. And, of course, most importantly, enjoy the draft. It is going to be a banner uh, year uh, for Dynasty Rookie Drafts. It is a deep rookie draft, maybe not as top-heavy as it's been in previous years. Uh, Obviously, uh, Saquon Barkley making it as top-heavy as he can. But after that, who knows? There's going to be a lot of stuff that happens tomorrow uh, that we're – that we didn't see coming. There's going to be some stuff that we did see coming. Either way, it will all affect rookie drafts, so make sure you're paying attention to that. Enjoy it. It is going to be a blast. And your 2018 draft weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog stay on the porch, blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Where you get that from? The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour was previously taped before a non-existent studio audience. Enjoy the NFL Draft, everyone.